What century do you come from? The 21st, perhaps? Basically, um, end of the world. Oh, the mission to sweep! You know, I really think you might. Here comes the drums! So here it comes, the sound of drums. Here come the drums, here come the drums. Welcome, Sepulter Open, an ongoing quest to watch all of Doctor Who in random order. I'm Chris Taylor. And I'm Pete Paschal. We're a couple of guys who watch Doctor Who in random order. For many, many years. Yes, we're both journalists. We've written about it, among other things. And we want to... Take you on the journey randomly as we go through uh, the whole series. Yes. yes, we're both professional and amateur Doctor Who lovers. And professional uh, randomers doing things <laughs> randomly, too. So don't try it at home, guys. We, we know what we're doing with randomness. Yeah, we, we have our special randomizer here. Uh, please do not try and build one at home. Um, mm. it's, uh, it's not a, a very safe device uh, to have around children. <laughs> Agreed. Um, you don't want to step out your front door and, and be somewhere random. So. Yeah. Even more dangerous for pets, I, I understand. <laughs> uh, they already so, have the randomizers. You know, the cats and dogs. Already pretty random. So, uh, yeah, they're very random. My, my cat is possibly the most random being on Earth. <clears throat> <clears throat> they, uh, we, we like to joke that he teleports around the house. So, uh, oh, nice. Like, <laughs> but he was well, just downstairs with me, and now he seems to be curled up with you. Wow. Are you sure there aren't more than one of them? <laughs> just, or perhaps, perhaps there has been temporal duplication. Cats, cats are definitely quantum engines. I'm, I'm sure of it. Hmm. Uh, but anyway, previously on Pull to Open, we were at the Sensorites. We were at hmm. one end of Doctor Whodom. And uh, we, we had something of a struggle with that, with that story. <laughs> but, but we got through it. Honestly, we got for, through it for me the and, first time, <laughs> and we TikToked it, and yeah, we and did. It seems to have done well on TikTok, Pete. Yeah, people love the original TARDIS crew. That's what I'm finding on TikTok. Uh, doesn't matter that it's black and white. Doesn't matter that it's uh, '60s dialogue and morality. Uh, I think it's it's fun for that reason, and in the same way that uh, Mr. Ian Chesterton went viral for London 1965 mm-hmm. a few years back on Twitch. Um, you know, there's something about watching the original TARDIS crew, and we we talked about it. I did a little TikTok on it about um, when they're they're talking about what a journey it's been, and yeah. hey, Doctor, it's you know we did some. This is pretty awesome. We're becoming kind of a family and and on a great adventure. Um, you know, I mean, it's it sounds cheesy, um, but it it actually like you're feeling it. You know, and I I, I get it. Um, so if yeah. only it had been Ian's catchphrase just announced at the beginning of every episode where they were in time. Sensosphere, <laughs> 28th century. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, little Ian's captain's log. Kicked it off every episode. Kind of glad they didn't do that, come to think of it. Um, yeah. But yeah, the Sensorites was um, interesting and actually had some um, notable continuity for the first time in referencing old stories, but also talking mm. about the Doctor and Susan's past. And where they're from, uh, can, starting starting to build this universe, and um, just to to complete the segue, that's that's very much <laughs> where we're at this week in terms of um, the Doctor Who universe, an adventure that really uh, makes the whole thing feel bigger and like one one adventure. Mm. Yeah. So it's it's very interesting to go from uh, old Who, a very old Who where we've been for the last couple of podcasts, and to, to zoom forward to the beginnings of, almost the beginnings of New Who. Yeah, interesting. With, yeah. with the episode School Reunion. Which is um, funny, because I remember at the time it didn't, it felt so like, when I saw it in, you know, 2006 or whenever it was, it, it, it's funny to think about that as early New Who now, you know what I mean? Like, it just mm-hmm. felt like so novel and so cool and so... Um, so new and it's now it's like wow it's 15 years ago this was broadcast i i do have a very uh special association with this particular episode because when my uh my wife and i met in 2006 and uh she 
we we met uh, on a camp out and then she came to stay at my house in San Francisco and I uh, suggested, you know, big flirt that I am, that we watch Doctor Who and uh, she was she was up for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she she actually, was up it's, for that. She didn't like, run screaming, so she I know, I know. Well, <laughs> this is 2006, was, folks. Remember. She was a Doctor Who fan of of the old school. I mean, oh, nice. uh, we we still have the text that she sent me that that kicked off our relationship. That was like, "Hey, I'm coming back now. Would love a couch, a cuddle?" Question mark and Doctor Who. And wow, so, yeah, yeah, I will always remember that that particular what, text. What, did emojis exist yet? Probably not. You couldn't. No, just no, <laughs> this was on a flip or... phone. Oh, yeah. uh, but I had to sort of immediately think like there were only uh, two seasons at that point or a season and a half, I think is all I had. I had the downloads and I was like, well, wow, what do I show her? Like, how do I make this an optimal experience um, mm. for this quote unquote date? And it, and it had to be school reunion because it's this, this marriage of, of old and new, you know, uh, of, of, uh, the the return of Sarah Jane. Everyone loves Sarah Jane. It's it's a nice simple story. Um, it and I would say, you know, for us, it was almost a better jumping on point than Rose. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, yeah, I mean, especially it, if you weren't if you if you're a super fan, you've already obviously been watching from the beginning. But if you've mm. kind of just casual, and you're like, oh, I don't, I've heard of it. I don't know. Now I'm I'm probably older and have different tastes but this has a good mix like you know it, it gives you someone you're presumably familiar with i mean you know mm. there's a lot of old who and a lot of it doesn't have Sarah jane but she is the archetypical companion and was with you know probably how many seasons four or five something like that so she was on for a while yeah and yeah. um definitely like i said it it the 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 episode feels bigger than it is you know in terms of the story yeah. the story is pretty small but it makes Doctor Who feel big and fun, and that it is it is bigger on the inside for sure. There you go. There you I think go. the other reason I, I went for this, by the way, just to just complete that story, is that I also knew she was a Buffy fan, and oh, there uh, it is. this is the episode with Anthony Head mm. playing the evil Mister Finch. Yeah, um, but well, we're we're getting ahead of ourselves. We should do our regular <laughs> segments. We should on uh, recapping the the story in question. Okay, uh, TLDW. Yep. And uh, Peter Shell, this is this is your. I'm a little this. nervous about it. I actually like. I know everyone's like, "Oh, you guys probably prepare." I, I I don't think anyone could listen to the last story I recapped and think I prepared. But <laughs> the uh, like, I really sincerely didn't even think of it until we just got on our call, and I'm like, "Oh wow, okay, yeah, I've got to start thinking about what actually happened." Um, but I think I think I'm ready. I think I've, I've uh, yeah, I think I'm ready for this. It's not too hard. It's this one. It's, it's not. It's yeah. not a twisty, windy thing, but it is uh, exactly. So okay, pretty much one setting, and you're good. All right, so I'm going to start the timer now. Okay, so the doctor is teaching in a school uh, for kids, and he um, is uh, on the case of something unusual going on here because Mickey has alerted him and Rose to come back. And uh, uh, check things out. He runs into Sarah Jane Smith, who is also on the case of unusual things happening to the school. The unusual thing, very clearly right off the bat, is that the kids are somehow super, super smart, at least some of them. And uh, something nefarious is going on here. So what the doctor uh, encounters, Anthony Head, the headmaster, who is really the leader of this group of aliens called the Krillotines, who have been using the kids to actually figure out some kind of universal theory that will unlock the secret of the universe and feeding them chips, <laughs> French fries, that uh, increase their brain power. So they all get together uh, to blow, basically blow up the school, defeat the plan, and we use K-9 to do it, but K-9 gets destroyed in the explosion. Sarah asks... Uh, so, and time! And there it is. <laughs> there's, there's a new K-9. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> so close, so close. I got, yeah, I had to go over. You, I, I got like 90% of it. You, you got up to the uh, denouement, or... As it's pronounced in the marvelous movie adaptation, denouement. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you got right to the last scene, so I, I'm, I'm going to say that that I'm going to say you go home with the prize. Okay, I got a pass. I passed the class yeah. this time. That wasn't a yeah. You, fail. you got a special uh, plate of chips. Uh, <laughs> well, that's that's all I was going for. That's all I'm ever going for, Chris. 
But yeah, I mean, there was a lot there. The thing is, when you summarize the plot, um, you don't really get at the heart of this story, Hmm. which is really about the doctor and his companions and really starts to spell out a little better for for me anyway as as a longtime fan of Doctor Who um had having been really excited it was coming back really thrilled about how good it was um but like where where does Rose sort of fit in all this because by the very nature of television and storytelling they had to sort of do different things and and get a little more into the relationship between the doctor and his companion in the new series and you kind of like basically at this point in season two, you're kind of like, where is this going? And they don't really answer that here, but they do at least address the question, and they do it in a very clever, smart way by bringing in one of one of the companions from the old series to kind of put it in context. It's it's really it's really and really it's really notable for that. Like that is the main reason this is a great story, and it, it really works is that they confront that head on. It's not just a hey, it's great to see old faces. It's like, well, what is who is Rose to the Doctor, and and hmm. what where where is that headed? So I thought it was really really good. And why does the Doctor keep doing this? Why does he keep uh, replacing his companions with younger models? Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, yeah, that was. I mean, it really. Uh, the great thing about School Reunion is it cuts so close to the bone. Uh, in in the sense of like if if you've ever been ousted from a relationship, for. A younger boyfriend or girlfriend, you know, you you can feel this, and um, it's not. It's interesting because, like, New Who, Russell T Davies, he kind of introduced romance, especially with Rose. You know, the Doctor and Rose's relationship is clearly different than it has been for, for other companions uh, or assistants, mm-hmm. as. <laughs> Sarah Jane says, and Rose says, "Oh, I'm not his assistant." And Sarah Jane has that great line of looking at the doctor go oh get you tiger yeah i like it's funny the assistant <laughs> companion because i like how they played off that in mm. season one of the new series where they're trying to figure out why rose was gone for a year and says i took on rose as my companion it's like the cop actually asks is this a sexual thing <laughs> like <laughs> like what no yeah oh boy but i mean but like, it, but that's the cool thing about the new series it's like they go yeah. there and they go there yeah. big time in this episode they they say all the things we're thinking yeah mm. which which the the old series sort of had a prohibition on yeah they um, kind of would, would sometimes walk up to the line but they would never cross it and now it's like yeah. of course we're going to cross it um because that's interesting it's, so the origin of, of School Reunion is uh, Russell T. Davis actually had this in mind when he was pitching the show back in 2003. Um, the, the idea, and, and he specifically wanted Sarah Jane to uh, represent the old companions, kind of have this, this handoff, this exploration of old companions and new and what it all means. Um, Elizabeth Slayton originally said no. Um, and then they, they had a... Uh, they had a meal in a restaurant uh, where she was. She talked about this about you know she was suddenly convinced she realized what what a big part Sarah Jane had in the script. It wasn't just a cameo, and um, and uh, she said you know at that point we we ordered an extra bottle of wine. We became a very rowdy table. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to think about Liz Sladen getting an extra bottle of wine and getting rowdy. That's that's. You know, that's clearly out of character for Sarah. Yeah. Um, but I that's mean, we should just we should talk about Sarah and Liz Layden for a moment. I mean, sure. she will always be number one in our hearts. I think it's it's kind of nice that Agreed. it's 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 not really disputed uh, almost anywhere in Doctor Who fandom. Like maybe you have a few people who say it's Ace. Ace is the is the best companion of all time. You know, I've seen that or. Uh, you know, every, everyone has their favorite, everyone has their stan, you know, everyone, mm. you know, people like Amy Pond or whatever, but by and large, it is generally accepted by Doctor Who lovers that, that Sarah Jane Smith is the greatest companion of all time. And, and we all hold a place in our hearts for, for her. Um, and I don't know what it is. It's just, she, she was just so charming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something about her personality like uh, she would simultaneously put up with no guff from the doctor right um uh 
but also at the same time she was, as my mother used to say, Sarah was the best screamer. Because <laughs> <laughs> my mother wouldn't really watch Doctor Who, but she'd be in the room. Oh, okay. Uh, but she'd kind of watch it, yeah. She she would yeah. comment on the scream levels. She would <laughs> of the companions, and and she would always, I'm sure, uh, text you whenever you'd write something about the show, even though she'd <laughs> probably never <laughs> never text you about your other work. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm just making up things in my head now. But um, Sarah is, yeah, I would I would agree with all of that. That she is. It might not necessarily be everyone's like, oh, this is my favorite, but it's like, oh, in terms of who is is the person you think of when you think of the doctor and her his assistant companion whatever it's like it's usually tom baker and liz sladen now tom baker you can debate as well but you can't really argue that he wasn't um super influential in creating like what doctor who was perceived as for a whole generation of people right um so uh, and, it, and in having the best chemistry with his companions, with all of them, yeah, uh, especially with Sarah, yeah, exactly. So it's not it's not solely about the individual, the performance, and how they sort of interpret the character. It is like how how do the the two actors, um, uh, how do they how do they represent the the, the package and like what what is the chemistry like? So one hundred percent, I I would love how Tom Baker's doctor would always introduce her as Miss Smith, my best friend. Um, mm. which mm. I thought was a very clever way. I don't think he's done that since, yeah. uh, or hasn't done that with anyone uh, other than her. Um, so, you know, it, it sort of indicates like sort of the special place she yeah. she held for the doctor, um, not to reach And we do have to get gr- to grips with that, right? As, as, a, as a Doctor Who fan, if you're sort of investigating the, the, the canon of the show, you have to get to grips with the fact that he abandoned... His best friend. Yeah. Now, obviously, we know the production reasons why he did it. You know, the in-show reason is he had to go to Gallifrey for the Invisible Enemy, I believe was the That was next. the, uh, the Deadly no, no, Assassin. Sorry. sorry, Deadly Assassin. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so so he had to go and have a Companion Light episode uh, and, and leave Sarah Jane in... Uh, what he thought was was it was it Dudley or South uh, Croydon, the, South Croydon, yes. <laughs> and we learn here. And, it turns yes. out it was it was Aberdeen. <laughs> so I went back to the end of the Hand of Fear because I, I'd never never seen it before. Uh, that's that's Sarah Jane's last episode in in last serial in 1976. Um, because I'd never seen how she'd actually left the TARDIS, and it oh, was wow. a bit sudden. Yeah, um, it's a little random was, even. But it was kind of this reversal of she's just fed up by the end of Hand of Fear. And uh, she says she's going to leave. Um, But she doesn't really mean it. She's just sort of trying to get the doctor to pay attention to how miserable and cold she was on that particular planet. And then the doctor's like, oh, no, actually, I just got this message. You do have to go. Um, mm. And she's standing there with, oddly, with a tennis racket, uh, a yeah. suitcase. Um, I think like like a cuddly toy. A like, plant. She, wait, 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 let me stop there for a second. With a tennis racket, like, was she playing space tennis? Like what? <laughs> like what are we talking about? Like where was she using that tennis racket? Why did she bring that on the TARDIS? I Maybe mean, it's a souvenir somewhere. Maybe she went to like uh, an old Wimbledon match yeah. and just you know got got I mean, that, bequeathed the... to her from. Uh, from Billie Jean King or something. Uh, that that sort of that's the difference between you who and old who right there, right? Is in you who you would have a line explaining why t- Sarah is carrying a tennis racket. <laughs> in a old who, it's just like no, the costume designer just said here this this is what looks like you might be carrying with your stuff on the TARDIS. <laughs> so yeah, I'm really I'm taking my racket, Doctor. I'm out of here. <laughs> and <laughs> then she. And then she's she's actually not too. They they don't hug, which mm. is just just unbearable. It's 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 you know it's it's Britain in the seventies, so nobody's nobody hugs. Nobody hugs yeah. uh, they don't even shake hands. Pre-hugging culture. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's it's <laughs> you know early, early COVID culture. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just sort of stay very distant, and then she walks out of the TARDIS whistling. Uh, 
Daddy wouldn't buy me a bow wow. Mm. Um, says hello to a dog on the street, and that's it. Right. And remarks how the doctor blew it because it's not even South Croydon. And that's it until well, until yeah. the five doctors. So this is the thing that where yeah. things get a little weird if you um, obviously keep up with continuity and you're a longtime fan. So this the school reunion makes it sound like that is the very like what you just described is the very last time the Sarah and Doctor saw each other. Um, now there's been comic books, audio adventures, uh, novels that have shown her meeting, I think the seventh doctor and um, maybe even the eighth. Um, but those you can easily kind of dismiss as, you know, well, that's, that's just sort of the expanded universe, but it's very mm. hard to sort of reconcile school reunion with the five doctors. And the, the bottom line right. is like, they, it, it doesn't really work. And you kind of have to, in your head canon, think maybe her memory was wiped or something at the end of the five doctors, because um, she didn't just meet, you know, the fifth doctor, um, she met all his previous incarnations and had sort of this rousing adventure with them. Um, mm. So uh, for her to sort of suddenly go like, oh, you left me, let's let's talk about this now, um, you, you kind of have to just, just drag and drop that out of your, out of your continuity or timelines got crossed or whatever. Uh, and you can, you can do it, uh, but it just sort of demonstrates how difficult it is to have anything work when you, in a series with so much, uh, so much material. Um, so, so they they made a call here. I think it was the right call. I think dramatically in the story they were telling, I don't think it works to to sort of acknowledge that that sort of uh, adventure in between. Uh, but it it is one of those things that's like okay, we we just going to have to uh, assume a memory wipe, I guess. Mm. Well, you also have to bring in to to explain why K nine is with Sarah at all when she. Uh, she'd never met K9 during her TARDIS tenure. Um, and, you know, K9 comes along in The Invisible Enemy, which we've covered many moons ago. Right. Right at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, but then there's the, the brief spin-off from 1981. I remember it well, K9 and Company. Indeed, with one of the all-time best worst title sequences, <laughs> I have to say. If you, hey, if you're listening to this, stop for a second, come back in a minute look on youtube canine and company opening <laughs> watch it have a great laugh and come right back because it is epic okay i just yeah. had to throw that in there canine like, <laughs> yeah it's a canine and company theme tune sung by canine <laughs> indeed um, and uh yeah canine was was not Destined for chart success, we'll, we'll put it that way. Yeah. But but yeah, she she solves mysteries with the help of the robot dog who has been left to her by the doctor. So I guess he did look in on her and just yeah. dropped off the dog, but didn't say hi. Yeah, uh, I mean, which is which is okay. I mean, in terms of like, yeah. I think that th this works in that context. In that, well, he didn't speak to her. He didn't like he didn't forget about her, but he did. Like she she still never got an answer to the question that she asks in this episode, and then. Mm. Um, what 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 I found weird is that she's kind of driving around with canine in her car, uh, even though he hasn't worked in years. Apparently, had a malfunction, and just kind of hoping he starts working again. I guess, and yeah. wherever she goes, it's a little weird that he's that that he's there because it, for, <laughs> I guess from a from a story standpoint, you don't want them driving all the way back to Sarah's house and then sort of figuring <laughs> out what to do with him. Um, that's just you know, it's just too too long. But it does. It is weird that she has him like with her. Well, I don't know about you, Pete, but the the amount of crap that I carry around in the back of my car that I never like <laughs> never open the trunk, and I'm like, oh, that's where all this stuff is hiding that I was looking for three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I I can imagine that the robot that the tin dog, as they call him, in this, uh, he's not actually made of tin, but fair enough. Mm. Uh, well, what, is, how do you know? Just, just hang in there. <laughs> Might be, might have some tin in there. I'm sure, it's some future yeah, tin, alloy. Tin is a very, very uh, sophisticated metal in the 50th century. Mm, indeed, um, we know this. But I love the the subplot. We should talk about the subplot of of K9 and Mickey. Yeah, uh, Mickey Smith is in this episode, and uh, it's kind of uh, you know. Let, let's leave aside Noel Clark and issues with Noel Clark for a moment. That's a whole. I could be a whole other podcast. Yeah, agreed. Um, but 
Let's just talk about Mickey Smith <laughs> and uh, the the realization that Mickey comes to in this episode is that he's the tin dog mm-hmm. of the trio. Yeah, indeed. And uh, and yet the the tin dog has his moment, and then that sort of inspires Mickey to say, "Hey, I want to join you. I want to want to come along with the Tardis." Yeah. And and Rose just gives the iciest, "Yeah, sure," uh, to to Mickey right at the end there, and it's like, dude, oof. Yeah, you know, if 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 you're reading the room at that stage, you're like, maybe this isn't so much of a relationship, um, Mickey. Maybe you should get out of there while you can. True, but I, I, yeah, no, it's it's absolutely like that, and it, it's played brilliantly by them both. I think it, mm. it really, really works. You're just like, oh, it, especially because he's kind of like uh, rubbing salt into the doctor's <laughs> wound when mm. Rose and Sarah. Uh, pick up on their um, sort of parallel uh, lives at sort of different different points in the doctor's experience and get yep. you know, very very sort of catty to each other at first, and he makes fun of it like, oh, it's the every every man's nightmare, the misses and the ex, the misses and the ex. Oh, it's such a good line. It's and... one of the best LOL moments in the whole series, yep. really. Um, and it just so perfectly describes what what's going on there. Yeah, that, that Mickey then, has so many great lines. Like that and the Tin yeah. Dog are like the funniest yeah. moments in the in the whole episode. And they're both they're both Mickey's. Uh, they're both his. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of Mickey's coming out episode. Uh, a canine has. A, I love how they deal with the sort of the. Um, the fact that canine was was not always like the most sophisticated of of uh, you know robots ever seen. Uh, yeah, it's very on, disco. On Doctor Rose, Who, Rose says, very. He's the disco dog, uh, <laughs> and and he just doesn't move for most of the episode. And 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 then he has the the brilliant line in the car of "We we are in a car" mm-hmm. when Mickey needs to get into the school. And he's like, "What do you mean? Yeah, I know we're in a car." And then he's like, "Oh my God, we're in a car." Yes, we can. We can. You know, uh, we can ram straight into the uh, into the glass at the school and, and get the kids out. Uh, a brilliant moment. And then K nine has his fantastic sacrificial moment. He uh, attacks the the Krillitanes, which we haven't talked about very much. Mm. The the actual which alien enemy. Very telling. We haven't talked about them very much. But, <laughs> um, yeah, he he blasts the the brain liquid that they've been using with the chips, mm. I guess, which is sort of oily. And uh, just sets off a whole explosion, and the the school explodes after mm-hmm. all the kids have been evacuated, of course. But um, you know, there's a lot of violence to the school in this episode, I, and I did really like the moment where the kids are all just like cheering, "Yeah, the school's blown up!" I mean, it, it's just so real, you know. I mean, like, yeah. it's, even though there's sort of a Hogwarts feel to this school with all the kids doing their uh, computery stuff with green glows and sinister stuff going on, and all their uniforms, it all feels very Harry Potter. Um, you know, the idea that the, the you know, you, that affinity toward a school that, say, the kids in Harry Potter have doesn't really mirror reality very much. And the idea, it's, it's more, much more, felt much more real that all these kids see the school blow up and you're just like, yeah! Yeah! <laughs> I mean, they, they really should have started playing Schools Out by Alice Cooper at that point. Oh, wow. That would have been amazing. Schools being blown to pieces. Um, <laughs> Because that is like, you know, you've got two traditions of school in in British culture and British pop culture. You've got the, uh, you know, the the private school which is Hogwartsy, you know, and the, the masters are kind of assholes, but you're all together in your you know boarding school and you you have adventures. Uh, or it's like a crappy comprehensive school, and it's it's rough and tough and. Um, you know, and and the, the, the there's a there's a long running British show called Grange Hill, uh, which was kind of controversial in the seventies and eighties because it showed kids doing real things like you know getting this one long subplot where one kid gets addicted to heroin. Oh my! Um, I wish the cast of Grange Hill then did a charity record called Just Say No. Mm-hmm. Um, because <laughs> of that uh you know like but this kid ods and it's like serious school drama for for kids to watch at five thirty. um yeah that's like so, and this is very much in the grange hill uh mm-hmm. tradition um yeah right down being to real the, about the chips it. in the cafeteria being real and yet so you you got that but then suddenly the kids are like not what you would expect they're not the um 
rowdy lot that you would normally see in this current environment. Um, mm. as, as the Doctor says in what may be the most 2006 line of dialogue ever, I, I expected a lot of happy slapping hoodies with asbos. <laughs> you know, that would, that would almost went right by me. But it was like, oh, yeah, yeah that was, I guess, the thing at the time. Yeah, yeah, happy slapping. You remember that mm-hmm. uh, videos of people slapping someone then running away. Hoodies, obviously, very popular in school at the time. You stick your hoodie up, you look like a ruffian. And Asbo's anti-social behavior order uh, was was a thing that just being introduced to the criminal environment, sort of a, a an alternative to uh, to going to prison or juvie or whatever you want to call it. It was you just got this order. Um, well, I'm glad, to, I'm glad you looked, looked up all that stuff because all I all I caught was the happy slapping, which was definitely a thing. But I feel like it's funny, like the the timing of these things, like could have easily been Tide Pods a few years later, you know, yeah. or yeah. whatever. And there, there's, there's, I actually kind of quite enjoy some of the references that made at the time. I'm not sure if they'd land quite the same way. I, I know there's a funny bit um, a season later where the Doctor makes fun of. Martha and Jack uh, gossiping about him, and he says, mm. oh, "You guys are blogging now, or what's the deal?" Yes, um, we're here at the end of the universe, and you guys are just standing around blogging. <laughs> From Utopia, I love that line. It's, it's still a good line, uh, even though yeah, people still blog. So it's all it's all good. Yeah, definitely. You know, one thing Russell T. Davis wanted to make sure of was that Doctor Who was was bang up to the minute with its references, which does make it seem a bit dated now but well you know it also but it also could you could say it speaks to the doctor doing his research on where he's mm-hmm. going right <laughs> like yep. he looked up some stuff on youtube 2006 oh happy slapping okay so <laughs> that's what that's what this period's about so it's like it, it, it is the doctor's it's the doctor's how do you do fellow kids moment <laughs> <laughs> absolutely um, and it's it's kind of nice to see. I mean, the 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 doctor as teacher is sort of a um, uh, a look forward to what he would be like with uh, you know with uh, Martha and the Chameleon Arch uh, mm. in a season's time. Yeah. Well, actually, you know what I was right. thinking of. I don't know if you've yeah. ever seen the bit. I forget the what the show is, but it with uh, David Tennant and Catherine Tate, where yes. he is the teacher and she's just making fun of him because she looks like Doctor Who. And yes. it's a great little exchange. And I, I, I feel like that was, that really echoed this because he's, he's not, he's not irritated in the same way, but the way, the way that first scene, he sort of carries on the physics, 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 and the sort of back and forth with Milo, the one student yeah. we, we actually talked to um, throughout the episode. Um, Good old Milo. Well, there's also, there's Milo and Kenny. I think Kenny, you talked to mm-hmm. a little bit too, and they, they're actually very similar. I don't know why they, separated them i guess milo is fully on board fully been infected with the the chemical and maybe kenny is i guess that was the 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 difference but um milo's been eating his chips exactly um so we've been um we, we got that good taste of like tenant i think tenant's a good you know tenant as teacher um really kind of works and they they kind of i don't know if they've done did that again but um I like I like the doctor undercover here and as a mm. as a thing, you know, that they they could have done a little more of. They probably did, if I think about it. I kinda of think about like Planet of the Dead, that wasn't quite undercover, but um when he was, you know, investigating something and meeting yeah, Smith, uh, Smith what's the name of the bus. Smith, Smith and Jones, Jones yeah. Was, was a bit like that and, and the uh the first one with um with Adonna, uh the the first Donner episode. Why am I blanking on it? The one with the adipose partners in crime. Yes, I think it's, is that right? Yeah. Another great undercover moment with a companion going undercover at the same time and not and not knowing them not knowing that they're both undercover. Oh, what are the chances? The same thing, right? <laughs> so that plot was definitely recycled hmm. from this, but just done brilliantly and and you know differently each time. So, Chris, uh, we've, been, we've been avoiding talking about the Krillatines, I think. Yes. And I think we need to do a little bit of time here <laughs> to be yeah. comprehensive about it. Um, so, what did you think of the Krillatines? And uh, their leader uh, played, played very well by Anthony Head, I would say. Yeah, Mr. Finch, the Krillatines. I, I love the concept 
of the Croatians, and I, I don't think that they get enough screen time here. Possibly because they're just like this. It's two thousand and six. The CGI isn't quite there. They do look a little bit basic. Mm. Um, but Agreed. you know, they're pretty scary with the wings. They're even scarier in the concept of them, which is that they're a species that goes around the galaxy, um, taking over other other races and planets, and um, and and taking on some of their attributes. And yeah. The, the wings are a new thing. Like the doctor hasn't seen them before. Um, yeah, and I thought I thought that was really smart as a as an idea. Like it's like it's like one of these things they're good on paper, and mm. because the story is really like it's only forty five minutes and it's more concerned with telling the story of Rose, the Doctor, Sarah, that love triangle, and, and mm. doing a little bit with Mickey and K nine. They really, they're just not developed at all, and they, they never quite get a scene. Like, Anthony Head gets a few good lines. Um, I really liked his, the way he sort of tempts the Doctor at the end, which I think actually works. Yeah. Um, but the Krillatines themselves never really have a moment that where I should be scared of them outside of, and I actually forget the other teacher's name, but there's one cool moment where hmm. he's sort of discovered by, I believe it's Kenny, and he yeah. sort of sees the creature and then sort of straightens up as as a human, which I thought was was very effective. It's just they never really do anything. They never really like kill someone or um, or you know, there's no at least not memorably in any way, and and kind of like oh wow, these guys are bad or these guys mm. are something to be scared of. And even when they finally attack in um, the cafeteria or wherever, uh, they're you know everyone just sort of gets down and they're. They're fine, you know, and then yes, K9 has to come in and save them, but there's no point where someone's grabbed and you really think, oh, they're done for and something, you know, evil's going to happen to them. So, in other words, they even if they've been upgraded to this sort of better creature over generations and millennia, you'd think they'd be way more effective as yeah. combatants and um, just really, really fearsome, and they just never really uh, show that. Yeah, they definitely get shortchanged as villains, and, and so much of believing that the Krillotanes are a real and evil force relies on the excellent performance of Anthony Head as Mr. Finch. Mm-hmm. Um, turns in so many great scenes in this, and, and really gets to flex his evil muscles. Um, and it's it's a shame, because, I mean, we should talk about the evil plot, and, and what if the evil plot has succeeded, a regular feature. Um, because it's a fascinating evil plot. They, yeah. they want... They want to solve the Scarsis paradigm, I believe that's how it's pronounced, um, which, of course, we never hear of before or again. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, the Scarsis paradigm is a theory of everything that will allow you to control the entire universe. Yeah, it's essentially the, control infi- it's like the infinity gauntlet, if you, mm. if you figure it out. You kind of have that. That's what it sounds like. You can just do whatever you want. And yeah. that's kind of cool. Um, to your point, like it would be cool if that was actually a thing they ever came back to, and um, mm. you know, presumably, if this is true and it is a thing, the Daleks would be going nuts all twenty four seven. Got entire star systems working on this with all the technology yeah. they possibly could could harvest. Um, yeah, why but, didn't the Daleks take over a school and have them all, you know, stare at Matrix like programs? And uh, decode the Scarsis paradigm. If that's all you need, I mean, they certainly can <laughs> manipulate children to do their bidding. We've yeah. seen that, um, so yeah. that would be would be interesting. Um, but this idea, like what what would happen if the evil plot had succeeded? They they come pretty close, which I thought was re- this was it was actually more effective than it should have been because I think usually mm. in Doctor Who and other programs, you you the the pitch the villain makes to the doctor at the end is usually a fake out but i thought tenant really yeah. sold it well where finch goes to him and says well we're going to solve this thing and essentially rule the universe but you know we'd like you to join us because you're a time lord and we want your wisdom and we want you to um you know be basically be this god uh then that yeah. you and i can sort of rule together and you could make everything right so why not do that and he's he he Really sells it. Like Tennant really sells being tempted. Uh, Sarah sort of walks him back from the edge, uh, but say she didn't, or say he was like, 
pre Time Lord Victorious, right? Like when he gets sort of to that point where he feels he is that god later in later tenant. Yeah. Um say that happens. Say say he's like, you know what, I'm actually gonna do this, solve this paradigm and start reshaping the universe. I guess that's how and he'd start using the Krillatines as his um peacekeepers, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'd we'd have a, another sort of war doctor like situation where uh, Tennant would just not really be the doctor anymore because you can't accept an evil plot like this and still be, call yourself the doctor, right? Mm, yeah. uh, you you basically maybe this is sort of yeah <laughs> maybe this is like an alternate explanation for the Valyard. Uh, he's he's the doctor who said yes to the Crusades. I like right? that. Yeah, that's cool. Somewhere between twelfth uh, <laughs> and thirteenth, though. <laughs> or twelfth and yeah, final, yeah. so it could be like anywhere after. Well, to uh, be fair, the doctor is a little unsure of how many regenerations he's had at this stage, hmm. because true, he yes. he tells Sarah Jane that he's changed his face half a dozen times since we last met. Which I think, as you pointed, you were live tweeting uh, school reading mm-hmm. earlier this week. I, I saw this, and you were like, "Any way you slice this, that's not correct." Yeah. <laughs> It if is, you yeah. include the war doctor, that's not correct. Mm-hmm. If you don't include the war doctor, that's not correct. Uh, also, if you consider that Sarah Jane last saw the doctor chronologically as the fifth right. in the five doctors, not the fourth, still not quite correct. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, it's th- basically the doctor is bad at math. The doctor has subtracted ten from f- four from ten. <laughs> right. That's all he's done. He's, got, he's not he's actually got, thinking of how many regenerations. He's in the ballpark. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think, you know, you got to count the War Doctor. I mean, it was a regeneration, right? Like, so then we're at, I think, seven. Um, and um, yeah, and if, if you count the fifth Doctor on top of that, then maybe. But then then is he counting that? And Sarah's not, you know, like it's very, mm. yeah, it's very weird. So he's 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 probably lost count. Um <laughs> it's funny to think that he lost he's lost count because it actually explains um <laughs> why Matt Smith never behaved like it was his last yeah. life. You know, like and he didn't really probably didn't occur to him until he was on Trenzalore and saving Christmas, the the village yeah. of Christmas, that he was oh wow, you know what? I'm I I don't have any regenerations up. I've never I never yeah. thought of it yet but before. Oops. So. It's like so. it's like when you you run out of juice on your phone. And you're like, I really should have noticed that earlier. I should have plugged that in. <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely that kind of moment. And it, it is sort of of a piece of the fact that the Doctor keeps forgetting his age mm. throughout the entire series. Yeah, uh, totally, you know, and just sort of, you know, I'm totally sympathetic to him. Like when you when you get up to anything past two hundred, you know, it's it's got to be hard to remember exactly how old you are. So for me, the big moment in this whole episode is it's kind of two moments. It's the where the doctor speaks to Sarah and Sarah finally asks why he left her. And mm. he never really quite answers, um, but gives her a lot of reassurance and, and you know, a lot of kindness. Uh, and then, but the, the bookended scene, it's actually the, the, parallel scene I'm, I'm losing the wrong words here but the scene the follow-up scene that where rose and where he and rose speak and rose is rightly questioning wait a minute i thought i thought i was special like hmm. now I'm, I'm just discovering that you you've had a lot of girlfriends like a lot <laughs> and you seem to show them like you don't you just leave them so is that yeah is that what you're gonna do to me and he yep. comes out and says i'm not like he says i'm not gonna do that to you Mm. Which is kind of what you say to your girlfriend, yeah. Um, but it's it's interesting that she gets the answer that Sarah was asking for, which is like because she asked why why do you do this, and she he's like, well, I'm a time lord, I keep regenerating, and yeah. I can never grow old with you, even if you want to grow old with me. And that's that's the curse, and it's like it's a pretty good answer. Mm. Um, what did you think? It's 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 definitely it's the doctor's who wants to live forever moment. If you're familiar with Highlander, oh, I am. Oh God, love that movie, and uh, you know that whole scene where the uh, you know the the wife of the main character grows old while he stays the same age, and that that was uh, indelibly imprinted onto me at at at, uh, at an early age, whatever Highlander was, eighty six. Um, 
And that definitely recurred with this. And you can see it in one of the best things about Tenant. One of the best pieces of acting Tenant does is the 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 face of sadness that has like the depth of a universe of sadness mm. within him, where he just sort of looks like the you know, famous gif of him in the rain. Yes, uh, just looking sad. It's a gif, uh, by the way, and it's. Yes, so Jif, Jif, Jif. Let's. I'm just trying to ignite our fan base. Oh. <laughs> yes, please write in. Tell us what you think it is. We think this might be a controversial question. Um, yeah, but he does. He does that same look of ineffable sadness when he looks at Sarah Jane, and yeah. there's sort of you know, there's like a slight shake of the head and just sad, sad puppy dog face. Yeah. Um, but but it's a sad face of wisdom yes agreed right? it's sort of it's got so much depth to it and then right at the end you have that you have sarah jane basically admitting that she had romantic feelings for the doctor way back when because mm. she's like there, there was one guy but you know he was a hard act to follow yeah and, oh god and if you, you and, feel that well it's also like and this is it's even sadder because it feels like he literally ruined her for all other yeah. men yeah. So she never married. She never had kids. Um, never really moved on. Uh, it's very kind of sad. And it's like yeah. so he. It was interesting that he invites her to go with them again, and she turns them down. Mm. Um, you know, there's obviously out 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 of show reasons for that as well. But um, I, that felt a little weird to me. I don't know. Like that whole scene, there was just too much going on because he invites her to come. She refuses. Mickey steps up, says, "Can I come?" Rose gets cold. Like there's, there's mm. just like it's a good scene because it like it, the emotional beats like yeah. pitter patter, and you're, there's a and, lot uh, happening. And, and also, Sarah's like good, and she gives that lame excuse of "There's always got to be a Smith in the TARDIS." Yeah, but really, it's kind of like, no, Doctor, you need to deal with this situation that you've created, mm-hmm. where you've got a girlfriend and you're not really admitting it, and the girlfriend's got a boyfriend, and none of you are really dealing with this situation. Yeah. Uh, so she sort of, you know, she saddles them with a chaperone, but also makes them deal with their shit. It's it's kind of a, a genius move from Sarah Jane. Uh, but yeah, the the out of show reason being that the Sarah Jane adventures are about to start. Uh, they were, it was uh, announced. Um, I think the same year this that school reunion was was broadcast that that she would get her own spin off. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, she would travel in the TARDIS again, as we know at the the uh, the stolen Earth journey's end. Um, yep. And so it is. It's definitely not the end for Sarah Jane. Yeah, she's even though, she, Sorry. I, I just like that she gets an ending where where she gets to be in control somewhat. Yeah, she gets to get her own back on the doctor. But yeah, I th- I, th- I sort of picture you know it's this question of of Sarah just kind of you know mooning around uh, being spoiled for for all other men uh, after traveling with the doctor. Like if it was uh, if it wasn't the seventies or eighties unit dating aficionados. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, if if it was like the Facebook era, you could sort of imagine Sarah scrolling through Facebook and like seeing the Doctor in Paris with Romana. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just just like Facebook stalking him. Like, oh, so you go to Paris with your what new you, Time Lord girlfriend? Some dagger emojis as well. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, totally. Yeah, um, yeah it's interesting, and, and, she, and you could never really move on from that, knowing mm. that he's still out there. Yeah, exactly, and. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, it, it doesn't speak all that well of, like, how she's been doing the past, you know, 20, 30 mm-hmm. years, which is unfortunate. But it is a, it, even though she refuses to come at the end, as, as you've mentioned, it's sort of, it has, it, this is the official opening of the door on Sarah back in this universe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, which gets realized through the Sarah Jane adventures, the, her subsequent uh, appearances on on the show with Journey's End and, and Stolen Earth, and so it sort of becomes the the why this is such a big notable moment in the whole Doctor Who universe is is it it officially sort of expands the universe and and for, by acknowledging the old universe, it, it it steps forward and expands what what the show and the franchise was going to become. So mm. this this episode just inherently is much bigger than than what it is because really up until this point they had not like like 
explicitly and officially confirmed this reboot is a continuation. It is the same universe. All of this happened. Everything from William Hartnell all the way up to, um, you know, wherever, like Sylvester McCoy. And that was a big deal at the time. Mm. And And Paul McGann. Well, this is that's that's actually very interesting. Like with Paul McGann, I, this is I was very actively wondering, like, is was that canonical? You know, with mm. as I is is it canon? Like it, through this whole series, and there was no mention of it. And it's not until the um, human, human nature. nature. Yep. Yes, you the finally notebook. see a, a drawing of his impossible things, and Paul McGann is one of the doctors he draws, and it's like yeah. there it is. Yes, he was real. <laughs> Yes. Okay, now explain the half-human thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're ever going to explain that. Nope, uh, nope. <laughs> We're just going to brush that to one side. Yeah, completely. Uh, you know, the, the Doctor gets confused about his age, his number of regenerations, uh, and his parentage. <laughs> <laughs> he said just, just, you know, side, too. Anyway, that's a, different, that's a different one altogether. It's just, it's Time Lord dementia. It's, it's sort of how you can explain so much of what what the doctor says either the doctor lies or there's some form of time lord dementia that kicks in after your you know after your 200th year yeah when you deal with all these timelines chris you know and you're a time lord it all just kind of comes out soup at some point and (laughs) you just got to go with it um but yeah i would say you know to sum up on um this episode i i don't see how you could not think this like this is a great episode like as as much as weak as the villain is it's like uh, it's it's just so satisfying emotionally. Um, like I was sort of saying on Twitter, you know, I've I've obviously seen it before, but it, it was like seeing it's like riding on an emotional roller coaster that was really fun. Uh, and mm. you you even though I've ridden a bunch more since, it's like this one it still has a lot of uh, a lot of heart. And uh, yeah, it's it's a Dalek for me. Definitely, definitely <laughs> I, I, I feel like I should explain our rating system. Yes. <laughs> Every time. Daleks are good episodes. Ogrons are bad episodes. That's about it. I feel like we, we may need more uh, more nuance in, in the spectrum as, yeah. as we go on. <laughs> there's, some, there's, some, there's some cool right. Ogrons and some lame Daleks. Yeah. Krillotanes are a little bit more Ogronish, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but, yeah, not, not for want of having a, a great setup. Um but yeah, it's it's kind of a easy, simple one to deal with. It's just a beautiful episode. Go go watch it again if you haven't seen it in a while, and feel feel your heart breaking for Sarah Jane all over again. Because I'm sure like everyone watches that at the moment where like Sarah Jane's like no man could ever match up, and you're like oh god, Sarah Jane, let me let me take you on a date. I'd show you such a good time. I won't show you time and space, but hey, we'll have fun. Forget that guy. Mm. Oh, can I just say one thing about, about the, the denouement? Yes. When there's the new canine, yeah. like the TARDIS disappears, and hey, here's a new canine, that to me like lands, as much as it's satisfying, it doesn't work. Like, I mean, I think it yeah. flies completely in the face of all, every, if you think about it at all, like everything they were just trying to give depth to, which is that you can't just replace people and, you know, expect there to be no consequences and yet, they just do that. <laughs> they just, <laughs> we're just going to replace this, and that old K9 was great, but you know what? We could always just crank another one off the assembly line, and it's all good. It uh, does give her a chance to repeat the line about, yeah, he does that. You know, he, he does replace you with a new model. Yeah. Um, which is nice and bittersweet. But yeah, I'm not quite sure of the physics physics of how it works. <laughs> like, was... Was K9 inside the TARDIS? Was he behind the TARDIS the whole time? Is this sort of the equivalent of the Doctor hiding a present behind his back the whole time? Yeah, I think like I think it's like the Doctor can either slap something on an object and not dematerialize with it, or just designate mm-hmm. that object as like you're not going to. I'm not. We're not. The TARDIS is going to leave, but it's not going to take this with you. Um, he does that yeah. with individuals a lot. Um and yeah, it's that 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 was okay. I don't think it was right behind. I think it was inside, and he just was like it was in some other room. And and does he just? I mean, did he spend hours and nights working on it, or did he just like tell the TARDIS, "Hey, I want I want another canine." It spits it out like it's a sonic screwdriver. Well, he is a time lord. He can <laughs> spend all the time he wants in the future building it, and then just bring it right back, right? 
I'm going to nip forward to the 50th century, <laughs> grab another robot dog, pretend it's canine, it's the equivalent of getting another goldfish for your kid. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good question. Does does it have all the memories of the previous canine? It seems mm. to. You know, so I guess his memory goes to the cloud somewhere. Maybe. Yeah, I, we we definitely need these these questions answering. Uh, hmm. I I I recently read um, the the marvelous uh, Kazuo Ishiguro's new book, Clara and the Sun. Uh, which is very much in the line of Never Let Me Go, if you've ever seen that mm. or, or read that book, uh, his last dip into science fiction. And Clara and the Sun is about a uh, a robot, or they're called AF, artificial friends in the book. And it's, <laughs> they're it's AF of, as AF. A, they are Sorry. AF as AF. Um, <laughs> that didn't another as in there, but it, you know what I mean. <laughs> doesn't work either it way. Is, Any way you slice it, it doesn't work. Anyway. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely chuckled at, at the uh, at the AF uh, acronym when it first shows up in the book, but it's super sinister, and it gets a lot of this question of like, what what is robot consciousness? Right, and it's sort of slowly revealed throughout the book, like what this robot actually is, and the, mm. what their what it has been bought for, and like what is the family's purpose in buying it. And what does wow. she, Clara, the robot, believe? And uh, it's beautiful and, and feels very Doctor Who-ish in in a lot of ways. So, uh, wow, that sounds very uh, ex machina. Yes, yeah, definitely in that vein. But like revealing even less information, right? Oh, okay. Holding a lot more back until the end, um, which manages to make it super super sinister. So yeah, I, I I'm not just going to buy the Doctor's assurance that this is the same dog. Uh, I am not the doctor's five-year-old child. This is not a goldfish, and uh, you know, I yeah, I, I I call bullshit on the canine Mark Four or whichever one this is supposed to be. Mm. Yeah, what there could be there could be some trouble in the future. <laughs> um, it's kind of funny how like their decisions like to use canine and how much are a little uh, honestly seem a little random to me because I when I remember when mm. the Sarah Jane Adventure started up, they didn't have him in for most yeah. of it and then they used him more and um i'm not sure like i know part of it is like it just it's hard to sell it but uh, as a special effect but it's uh um it's not a choice just because it's like was well, he either in it or not um yeah i don't know but. yeah did, did you did you watch all of sarah jane adventures because i've i've only seen a few episodes i'll so. confess i haven't seen much more than season one um, mm-hmm. Although my uh, my kids were into it for a little while, and I mm-hmm. saw a few more, and it, it sort of went into more some interesting places. But um, that's a that's another podcast, Chris. As soon as we're done <laughs> with this show, we'll uh, we'll jump on the Sarah Jane train. <laughs> Quest to watch all of the Sarah Jane adventures in random order. And then Torchwood, you couldn't really do that in random order. Yes. But, oh, we forgot the the shout out to Torchwood in in school reunion. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you get because that's the the season arc, right? Back in the days when season arc was just meant, let's have one mention, <laughs> right, of one word, be it you know one phrase, be it bad wolf or torchwood or Harold Saxon, going to keep showing up. Vote Saxon, yes, <laughs> and that's you know so it just shows up on a computer mm-hmm. that I believe Mickey hacks at one point. Um, yeah, no, so, I just yeah. he's for some reason Mickey is now a hacker. <laughs> and I think that was kind of his thing. Like someone's always got to be the computer guy. And again, it's, yeah. it's the buff. I guess it's a little bit Buffy influence there. Um, yep. But he was, it's his thing. And yeah, Torchwood was mentioned and maybe, maybe we'll get mentioned again. Uh, <laughs> so It is the, the role of the tin dog to, to hack the computer. Mm. Um, yes. All righty. All right. Shall we, uh, shall we find out where we're going next? Time. Let's do this. All right. All right. I've got the randomizer. Why don't we, uh, once again, for those new to the podcast, every week we find out what story we're going to be going to next, and we do it with the closest thing to random number generation that you can get on a computer, because yes. a computer can't do it. Computers are very bad at generating random numbers, so we have to go to where, Chris? Random.org, which instead of using the pseudo-random mathematical formula of a computer, uses atmospheric noise to produce a truly random uh, number. In our case, a random number uh, up to 297. 
as the the number of discrete stories in Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've you've got the spreadsheet of stories open. So, I've so got random.org. But your the spreadsheet starts at two, right? So we're going to yes. go between two and two hundred ninety-eight, <laughs> even though there are two hundred seventy-seven yeah, stories. Yeah, we, we should. We should probably uh, fix that at some point, <laughs> rather like rather like the TARDIS and its chameleon circuit. It's a bit off, yeah, but it's a bit off. We should get like, around to fixing it. I like our it. quirks. I like our quirks. Yeah. All right. Let's find uh, out. We always let's say that number one this. is like the the original pilot episode version of uh, of an unearthly child. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, should we do a countdown, anyway. or should we do? Should we just go right in? Should we just boom? Oh yeah, count count it. Count me down. All right. Two hundred seventeen. 260 oh no wait hold on three two one generate don't blink 55 55 oh my early early 55 <gasps> terror of the autons Ooh, very good oh wow this is right after inferno we nearly bounced off inferno again yeah. Uh, obviously, the, all the stories we've already done are time locked. We can't. Uh, we can't do them again. <laughs> but uh, Terror of the Autons. Wow! First appearance the first of the Master. Master. Yeah. yeah. Uh, first Joe Grant episode. Yep. Um, gonna be. That's gonna be good stuff. First Auton episode. Obviously. No. Oh, no. Sorry. Second Auton episode. My second bad. Auton. My bad. Yes. Uh, After Spearhead from Space, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. This is gonna be a good one. Yeah, this is exciting. I don't think I've ever finished Terror of the Autons. I think it was one that, that I checked out when Doctor Who first went on streaming. Um, and was, I, I, I gotta say, on first viewing, a little bit disappointed in the, the Delgado Master. Oh, like, really? Uh, in terms of, you know, just, he, he, he seemed a bit too, he, more, he seemed more cartoon villainy than, than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um but maybe maybe a second viewing and the fact that the <laughs> the randomizer loves the master so mm. we have seen many many master episodes so far uh, this is definitely a lot of people feel this is one of the best um definitely definitely up there I feel Especially. like the um the randomizer knows how this podcast began which was right when there was a new master uh, yes. the current master um, and we, uh, we have talked about that and his, his debut in Spyfall and, yep. uh, there's, uh, yeah, there we've, we've Dark now, Water. we've now done, um, Tony Ainley, um, and what, what, have we done other masters or did we just do two of him? Well, we did Missy. Uh, oh, we did Missy, of, of course. course. We did Missy, yeah. Dark the Water and Death in Heaven. Yeah. And also in um, Lie of the Land. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. Um, yep, she was around. So, yeah. Yeah, so it, it really loves Missy. Doesn't yet love uh, John Sim. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure we'll get there. We'll definitely get there. Um, but this is good. And, yeah, this is... I, I just happened to be reading fairly recently the um, Doctor Who magazine did a poll of... Like best master st- did a best master story World Cup where the stories face off against each other, and I seem to remember that Terror of the Autons got pretty far along. It was right. it was not the winning uh, master story, which spoiler alert, um, World Enough and Time slash The Doctor Falls. Mm. Um, people just love seeing Missy and and the John Sim master together. Interesting, interesting. But, um, also, that was probably pretty recent and fresh in people's yes. minds, um, which yeah. makes a big difference. All right. Well, this will be good. This will be good. Going back to the to the roots, the roots, the root of all evil, you might say. <laughs> Going back to Pertwee. All right. Well, we'll uh, catch everybody there. Want to thank everyone for listening. Um, this has been Pull to Open. It's a podcast. If you weren't sure, catching this on a web embed or just uh, forwarded to you somewhere or perhaps even on TikTok. Uh, so if you're just finding us, please subscribe. If you haven't yet subscribed, fire up that podcast app, uh, whether it's iTunes podcast, whether it's Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, we're on all the fine podcast services. Please subscribe. Please leave a review. If you leave a review, we'd love to read your review on the air. Uh, we love all reviews, but we know we have a special place in our hearts for those five-star reviews. So please leave uh, reviews when you can. <laughs> 
Um, also follow us on social. We're very active on TikTok at Pull to Open. We're putting snippets of the show. People are really liking them. Uh, we're also live tweeting our uh, viewings of all of our episodes on Twitter. So check that out. It's Pull to Open sixty three is our handle, and we're also putting some stuff up on Instagram. Indeed, and you can find me at Future Boy on Twitter, where I tend to tweet a lot. And you are Pete Bashal on Twitter. I am. And and we are pulled to open. We are pulled to open, and we will see you all next time. Bye.